You're listening to Live Free Creative, an intentional podcast with practical tips for living your life on purpose. I'm your host, Miranda Anderson, and I believe in creativity, adventure, curiosity, and the magic of small moments. I hope that every time you listen, you feel empowered and free to live the life that you want. Hi there. Welcome back to the show. You're listening to Live Free Creative Podcast. I am Miranda Anderson, the host of this fair show. And after a month abroad, I'm back in my recording studio in Richmond, Virginia. Feels good to be home. Today's episode is number 253. I'm going to be answering a couple questions about spending the month abroad as a family and be able to share the answers to the questions. I put a question box up on Instagram at Live Free Miranda, got a handful of questions, a lot of overlap, which is really great because it seems like there were some similar questions that I can clear up and share some insights. Hopefully the information is useful, whether you're thinking about taking a trip as a family for an extended period of time, if you're thinking about whether or not that could even be possible in general, Uh, what it might look like in terms of planning and cost. And also, if you are specifically looking at Costa Rica, I am going to answer a couple questions about the country generally. Before I dive in to this week's Q&A, I want to share a quick mindful moment. I want you to get comfortable where you're sitting or standing or walking. We're just gonna take a minute to breathe together and quiet the voices in our heads and hearts, maybe the butterflies in our stomach. All of us have many different things, responsibilities, relationships happening in our lives at the same time, layers and layers of emotions, experiences, ideas, possibilities, maybe challenges or obstacles or worries. And for just a minute, I wanna bring you to here and now together with me. I'm doing this mindful moment for my own sake as much as yours because I can tell you after (laughs) the last year, the last five years I could say of really interesting, unexpected opportunities and challenges. Sometimes I just need a moment to breathe. So find some comfort. If you're standing or walking, I want you to just focus on the breath coming in and out of your nose. Big, deep breaths in through your nose. Feel the air pass through your nostrils and big deep exhales out. You can keep your eyes open, of course, if you're walking. If you're seated, as long as you're not driving, take a second and ground yourself into your sit bones, the bottom side of your pelvis, where you're just kind of, you can feel the weight of your body settling in and grounding down into your seat. Maybe you feel and focus some energy grounding through the bottoms of your feet as well. If your hands are free, just 
Rub them back and forth along the tops of your thighs until they find stillness on your knees. If you're seated and safe, allow your eyes to flutter closed and let's take a big deep breath in together and out through your mouth. We're gonna do five more deep breaths like that, just finding stillness and presence, only focusing on right now, on the air coming in and out of your lungs, allowing thoughts as they come to just be noticed without judgment and dismissed. Flutter your eyes open. Give yourself a moment to just acknowledge the peace of this moment. Thank you for breathing with me. Wow, I love the difference that just a couple moments of stillness can make in the way that I feel. I hope that that was helpful for you, too. As I mentioned, today is going to be a candid episode answering a couple questions about how to take a month abroad as a family, a working family with kids and pets and a home and jobs. There are some logistics required. There's some flexibility necessary. And overall, I think an innovative curious can-do attitude is uh, a major factor in being prepared for a trip for longer than a couple weeks at a time. I'm going to start with the first question that I got, which was how we handled our house and our pets while we were gone. This is something that I mentioned in an episode somewhere along the way the last few months. It's also an interesting question because we do own our home in Richmond, We have a garden and a yard, and we have 10 animals. We have two dogs and two cats and six chickens who live in the coop in the backyard. Needless to say that going away for even a weekend feels like a can feel like a chore in terms of finding somewhere to board the dogs, making sure that I've got it reserved and paid for in advance, asking our neighbor friend if she'll come feed the cats, making sure someone's going to feed the chickens, make sure they have water. The chickens are by far the easiest to manage. Our cats and dogs need a little bit more care. The dogs are the highest maintenance on the hierarchy of pet care. Because we were leaving for so long, the house and pet care actually felt easier to me than if we were just going away for a weekend. Because I knew that I didn't want to pay to board the dogs for an entire month, it ends up where we board them ends up being around $100 a day, give or take, depending on the weekend and the season of the year and stuff. So that would have added like over $3,000 to the trip. And that's just the dogs, let alone the cats and the chickens. So I knew I needed like a whole pet solution. And this actually ended up working out being a house and pet solution as well. For people who don't have pets, I think a great option for traveling for an extended period of time is renting your house short term, like on Airbnb, for example, 
while you're gone. My friend Preeti Harbuck, who travels extensively with her family, has a blog post all about what that looks like. And I'm going to link it in the show notes of this episode so that if that's something you're interested in, you can have some resources as far as where to start. What I did was use a website called trustedhousesitters.com that is built for people who have pets who need home and pet care while they travel. On the other side of that, people who are looking to travel and take care of pets in exchange for free housing abroad, it ends up being a great win-win solution. Whether you're looking to leave and have someone take care of your house and pets while you're gone, or you're looking to travel and you think, you know, I want to stay in the same city for the whole time that I'm gone and we don't mind having a cat or a dog while we're there, you could travel and have your stay be free on, you know, if you're using the flip side of this, we used the side where we had pet sitters come stay in our house in Richmond and take care of our animals and our home for the month. We didn't pay them for the the care that they provided. They didn't pay us for the use of our house for the month. It's a really great win-win solution. And when we came home last week, we were chatting with our house sitters about how it had gone. And it ended up being such a great solution for both of us. The way Trusted House Sitters works is the people who are leaving town, who are looking for house and pet care, create a profile about their home and their animals with the care that's necessary, and the dates they'll be gone. And then it goes up onto a pin board, basically a virtual board, where people who are traveling can search by home type. They can search by country or city or by maybe even by animal. I don't know. You can, you know, direct your search towards a certain area and see what's available as far as home sit. So it works great. I was able to just create my profile about our home, about our animals, post it up. And within a weekend, you know, within four to five days of posting, I had about half a dozen applications, people who were interested in coming to provide that sit for us. Uh, There were a couple that I quickly discarded. You know, I said, thank you so much. This isn't going to be a great fit this time because they wanted to bring their pets along or they had small children. Those felt like variables that I didn't want to deal with. So I ended up having Zoom phone conversations with two different people. One was a couple who by the time I talked to them, they had actually found a different month-long sit during the same time frame. And then the sitters that I ended up choosing, who was an English professor who lives in England and her college-bound son. Her son is starting college at VCU this week. So it was a really perfect situation that they were able to come stay and they took really good care of our house and our animals. And at the same time, they were able to find housing for the college kid and get nestled into the city and discover a few things along the way before mom goes back to England. Really great win-win situation on both sides that we felt like they were doing us such a huge favor, creating this opportunity that we were able to leave with our animals in their home environment, well taken care of while we were gone for the whole month. And Our pet sitters expressed that same gratitude that they were able to come live in the city, be really nearby, get settled in, find housing, you know, get all registered and and go buy all of the stuff that he needed for his first college apartment and do that at the exact moment where he, you know, is getting settled into class this week and his mom goes home and 
now we all sort of go back to the rhythms and routines of our lives. If you have pets as part of the equation, Trusted House Sitters is amazing. If you do not have pets that you have to worry about leaving and you would like to stay for free for an extended period of time, you know, really anywhere in the world, there are Trusted House Sitters in Australia, all over Europe, all over the United States. This first couple that I spoke with who had booked themselves with someone else before I was able to accept them has done this full-time for two years. They both work remote, and so they do about a month to two months at a time watching different people's pets all over the country, seeing you know the country. Maybe they've gone outside of the country. I don't know. But they haven't had to pay for their own housing for over a year because they're on this system of doing the house sitters. I mean, it's just really interesting. If either side of that equation sounds like a good fit, you should check out Trusted House Sitters. This isn't an ad. I found it because of a friend and I actually thought it was like kind of sounded like a scammy website at first. I thought the name was really like too good to be true. And it was great. I will again mention that I'll post Preeti's blog post about Airbnb while you're traveling so you can you know have your mortgage paid for you basically while you're gone i also have seen some great posts about people talking about house swapping and i haven't done that myself through like a formal website but i know that that option's available too next i want to talk a little bit about working abroad this is something that came up in a few different people's questions i think most listeners to the show, most of my followers on Instagram are familiar with what I have done for the last dozen years for work, which is uh, right now podcasting, previously writing blog posts, working with sponsors, selling online courses, and doing online coaching as well as hosting retreats. I know it's like a several arm octopus of a business. All of the things that I've done over the last decade have been primarily online So I could work anywhere. I could be wherever I needed to be writing or recording or, you know, taking pictures, whatever it has been. Coaching, I did, I kept all of my coaching clients over the summer and was able to do coaching calls from Costa Rica. So I don't think anyone is asking really a whole lot about what my job looked like as far as working abroad. In fact, part of why we chose Costa Rica was that it gave me the opportunity to finalize some of the plans for the retreat that I'm hosting as part of my business, Novio's Couples Retreat, that's coming up in the fall. And so it was in very small part, like maybe I'd say 10% of our overall experience was me doing work on the ground in Costa Rica in order to be more prepared for our retreat in the fall. That hasn't been the case for Dave. In fact, my husband's job has primarily been an in-office job for most of his career until the last two years. He was one of the only people that I knew who went into the office during the heaviest wave of COVID at the very beginning when everyone that you know was working from home. My husband was still going into the office every day because he was working at a very confidential research and development facility. My husband is a chemical patent attorney. And he had a, an office in a confidential R&D facility where they felt like they could keep everyone safe because they have individual offices. They were able to sanitize and you know mask and everything. They did their meetings virtually in the office. So he would be on his computer talking to his coworker in the next room through his computer. But 
because of confidentiality reasons around the intellectual property, they wanted them to be in the office. I know, isn't that wild? It's a little bit unusual. And because of that and the, the strain, I guess, that it put on our family, I was homeschooling all of the kids. Everyone we knew was working remotely. Dave realized that he probably wanted to have the option to work remote or at least hybrid. And he changed jobs mid-pandemic in 2021, changed jobs where he was able to start working remote because of the pandemic. And then once they changed back to hybrid, he has been working hybrid. This probably doesn't sound all that different from what a lot of you have experienced, or maybe you yourself are working hybrid. You have a spouse or brothers or sisters or parents who've had the option to work hybrid. My sense is that even people who have gone back to work on occasion have not yet been expected to be back full time, like eight to five, like we so many people were previous to the pandemic. Of course, I know that there are workers who have to be on site. For example, if I was working right now as a nurse, unless I had, you know, the rare like education or uh, hybrid triage job, I would be in a hospital or in a doctor's office. I know that there's a lot of jobs that require on the ground, in person, Uh, showing up every day. And luckily for so many of us, I think it's great for our lifestyles to have a little bit more flexibility in what work looks like. I think it's because of that job change that we recognized in order for us to go abroad for a month as a family, that didn't mean Dave had to earn up a month worth of paid vacation days. It meant that we could use a combination of hybrid work and vacation days in order to build the month as a full package rather than like doing two weeks here and two weeks, you know, two weeks in the spring and two weeks in the fall. We could do it all together. And the final kicker of this for us was watching my husband's coworker who has the same position at his same job do this last summer. He and his family went on a five-week-long RV trip through the Western United States, and he worked on the road. So he he did some vacation days, and then he also had hybrid work days. When he came back, he reported that it had gone really well. He was able to work efficiently, even though he was on the road. He had to make sure he had good Wi-Fi on the days that he was plugged in and, and getting work done, you know, virtually at the office and meetings and things like that. But otherwise, it went really well. This experience that our coworker had gave us the confidence to say this is going to work for us and now it feels like a really great time. We planned the whole experience last fall. We decided when we were going, we booked our Airbnb in Costa Rica. Having that long of a runway also gave us the opportunity to thoughtfully consider what the rest of Dave's vacation days would look like throughout the year 2023 because we were deciding what we wanted our family schedule to look like abroad and what we settled on was that he would take the first week off that was our adventure week where we were up in the mountains we were doing a lot of activities every day it didn't make sense for him to work that week so we called that whole week a vacation so those were five vacation days and then for the latter three weeks he took monday and friday off each week and then worked remotely in the middle of the week this went really well because he only used 
about three quarters of his vacation days for the year, even though we were gone for the whole month. And on the days he was working, he was able to, you know, schedule all of his meetings and do his work at the Airbnb. We would wake up and hang out with the kids. I would maybe walk them out to the beach. Dave could meet us at the beach later. He could work in the evenings if he needed to. Having the hybrid work schedule and having that be sort of a norm and expectation at his office made it possible for us to creatively build a whole month abroad without exhausting all of his vacation at once. We used most of it, and so we don't plan to travel for Thanksgiving or Christmas this year like we normally would because we don't have the extended days. The other vacation days that he was saving for is our couple's retreat in November. So Costa Rica is taking the vacation for Dave this year, and I don't think he's sad about that at all. We're really pleased with the way that it worked out. It was great because I had some days that I needed to be home at the Airbnb in Costa Rica working, doing calls and things as well. So we were able to piggyback some of that work and felt like we were on vacation, even though you know, some of those days we had our computers out. Someone asked a question about how to prepare your employer or talk to your employer about the possibility of something like this, a hybrid work trip. And because I don't have a lot of employer-employee relationship experience recently, I'm just going to offer some general tips and advice that I found as I was looking for what this conversation might look like online. And there are a lot of different resources for talking about flex work and hybrid work, especially right now because it's becoming more normal. So the first tip is to make sure that you're prepared with the discussion, that you have an excellent track record with the company, that you have past positive reviews, examples of you successfully managing your time and meeting deadlines, and that you are able to function in a hybrid environment, that you're a self-starter, that you can focus when you're you know, alone by yourself on the computer screen. The next one would be to show why it's beneficial for them. And some of that might be things like being able to work different hours. Uh, for example, my husband, the company that he works for is based in Europe. So a lot of his calls are typically early in the morning or late at night anyway. So it, you know, he's taking those calls from home, whether he is at the office or not, he's not going to be at the office at 10 at night. So being able to explain why you can be less distracted, get more done, save the company money. Uh, without a commute, your hours can be more flexible depending on what the needs might be. That could be beneficial for them. You can also suggest a trial. So maybe it's not I'm leaving for a full month. Maybe you build up to I'm going to work, you know, seeing if you can work from home two days a week to begin and then build up to where you're working from home three days a week. That would be exactly what we did for the month. Dave was working hybrid three days a week and then used the other days as vacation days. The final tip would be that maybe this isn't like a full-time hybrid environment. Maybe you want to suggest sort of a hybrid sabbatical where you are working, you're working remote, you're going to do it for just the month, but when you come back, you plan on being back to the office just as normal, business as usual. Maybe some of those tips will help you think creatively and flexibly about how to continue to do a really good job at work and also create some of the incredible experiences that you hope for with 
yourself or your family traveling for an extended period of time, even while you remain employed. The next question is about cost. And I'm glad that someone asked this because I'm always really curious, like how much does that cost for you to do that? And there's so many variables. I always think it's fun. Uh, My friend Jansen Bradshaw talks a lot about money really candidly. And I love that her Instagram is everyday reading. One thing Jansen always mentions when she talks about money is what matters to you and your family is going to be really different than what matters to me and my family. So even if we have the same exact budget, the way that it breaks down or the way that we decide to spend it may look entirely differently. So I'm going to share an outline of the cost of our month abroad with that advice that take it with a grain of salt as sort of an outline idea of what something like this may cost and that if you were doing it in reality with your family, it would probably look different in one place or another just because the choices that you make or the opportunities that arise may be different than ours. I'm going to start with the highest expense, which was the location where we stayed. We actually stayed in two, technically three different locations, but I'm going to call the first week our adventure week. And I talk about this, the last two episodes, I have part one and part two of our Costa Rica family adventure. In part one, episode 251, I talk about Adventure Week. During Adventure Week, we stayed in two different lodges up in the volcano region in the north part of the country. And those two lodges I'm just putting together because in both places, we paid for all-inclusive, an all-inclusive price where our activities and food were all part of the total cost of the stay. That's week one. Week two, three, and four was all at an Airbnb on the beach, and we stayed in the same place the whole time. So the highest expense of the whole trip was the Airbnb because it was three weeks of, you know, a three-bedroom house on the beach. That said, we got a screaming killer deal on this beach house for the area, and I actually went back to look. to. Th- to I was thinking maybe we should just book it again for next July, and the price is already almost triple for next year, I think because the area is just growing. I mentioned in one of the past couple episodes that there's a lot of construction and interest in the area right now. All of that to say the Airbnb ended up breaking down to about about. a week, which is insane, less than $200 a night for a gorgeous three-bedroom Airbnb on the beach with a pool. Unheard of. I I was looking to book it for July next next year, and it's $17,000 for the month for next year, the same exact house that we paid, you know, like $6,000 for the month this year. So I feel like, wow, I'm so glad that we did it when we did. And also, I know that there is you know, different levels of of housing all over the world, depending on where you want to go. And you can usually find something within your budget. For example, we probably could have been in two bedrooms and been fine. And it was just great that there were three. We probably would have been fine without a pool. We loved having one. But, you know, if our budget needed to adjust in the future, it could. That was the highest expense. The next highest was our flights. And again, we got great deals on flights, but they were about $800 each for a family of five. That was about $4,000. So now we're up to just under $10,000. Add in the the first week, our adventure week, which was all inclusive, but it ended up being about $2,500 for lodging, food, and activities for the first week. Uh, we're at about $1,150. 
the car rental is crazy. And I think even in the United States right now, renting cars is really expensive. Because we're a family of five, because we wanted a four-wheel drive to be able to uh, you know, accommodate all the different things that we wanted to do. It was just over $100 a day. So the car rental was around $3,000. It was a big expense and we went back and forth on it. I'm going to pause for a second because one of the other questions that I got was, how is public transportation within the country? Did you have to have a car? Could we go and use buses and shuttles and things like that, Ubers? Costa Rica is unique in that It's a beautiful second world country with some infrastructure and their roads are not one of their strong suits. So there are a handful of well-paved, evenly graded highways, just major arteries through the country. And anything outside of that is hilly, rocky, muddy, sometimes driving through rivers. And I'm not even joking, like driving through to where you almost can't see the tire anymore and you're just hoping that you don't get washed washed down the river. A four-wheel drive is really, really, really helpful. A rental car, unless you are going just straight one place. If you're flying in and going straight to a resort for the week, you'd be fine. If you're flying in and you and your partner are bringing backpacks and you have plenty of time and you can take... The buses are great. They're reliable. They're fairly comfortable. They're not air-conditioned, but they're fairly comfortable. When I was in my 20s, I spent 10 days backpacking in Costa Rica with some friends and we took public transportation everywhere. And Uber didn't exist back then. So we were taking city buses and occasionally hailing like an actual city taxi. Um, There aren't very many taxi taxis because we were mostly outside of the big city of San Jose, mostly in the countryside where we were taking buses. And we were just living by the Lonely Planet guide of like walk from the pink barn down to the corner and you'll turn and see a, a, a bus stop. It's totally entirely possible to take public transportation within the country if you are willing to be incredibly inconvenienced and go at a very slow pace. If you have a full family that you want to haul around and go do interesting things all at once, you still have to have the time to drive. It's, you know, five hours from San Jose out to the beach, but you can do it at your own pace and you just kind of chalk that up to one of the expenses of the trip. We went back and forth on whether we should rent a car for just the first week to get up to some of these more remote locations up in the mountains and then drop the car off once we got to the beach house and not have it for that last three weeks because we would just be walking to the beach and walking to the yoga places and walking around town. Nosara itself is fairly walkable. I ended up deciding to rent a car for the whole experience because the place I wanted to rent it from that had a price that I liked, it was it felt easier. They don't have a drop-off in Nosara. I would have had to return it all the way back to the airport and then figure out how to get out to the beach anyway. So it just made the most sense. We used Adobe Rental Car, which is a Costa Rican local brand. They were really great. The car was great. Um, like I said, it was about $100 a day. And we loved the experience. That was uh, the first time that I had rented with them, and I would do it again. And... I'm really glad we made that decision. We actually ended up using the car quite a bit during the last three weeks when there were different places that we wanted to go that weren't right downtown. And we felt like we had the freedom to do that without, you know, we had already paid for it. So it didn't feel like we were racking up all these other additional transportation costs in the country. All in all, we're like at 1500 right now. The last couple expenses, our food once we got to the beach 
we were just using our regular food budget for home. We generally spend about $300 a week on food as a family here in Richmond. And we went ahead and spent about that same amount. It was maybe a little bit less for food at the grocery store. And we were making our meals eating at home, except for date night and pizza night. And those are also things that we have in our budget at home. So once we got to the beach, like the first week was kind of like our vacation budget. And then living our living expenses, the day-to-day eating and um, you know, getting a drink at the beach or whatever, like walking by the bakery and getting a soda and a croissant. That was our regular day-to-day budget. And then uh, we did have a couple activities on top of that that were a little bit more of an expense. So all in all, with uh, four weeks of lodging, a rental car, our flights, a bunch of cool activities, some included in prices, some that we paid extra, and our food, we landed around $1,700 for four weeks abroad. I think at one point early on, like in my calculations, I thought maybe we could do this for around 10000 for the month. And that was before we had decided we were going to rent a car. And it was before I had looked into some of the, all- the all-inclusive you know, activity and food lodges up in the mountains. And it probably would have been possible if we had dialed down some of the adventure piece. And if we had just gone straight to the beach and stayed and, you know, done surfing for a month, we probably could have been around 10, maybe 11 or 12,000 for the month. And it would have been an entirely different trip. There were so many things that we did during that first adventure week that we really appreciated as experiences. Uh, We loved having a car and being able to experience some of the different parts of the country. I sort of laugh remembering the last time Dave and I were abroad for a month on vacation was right after I graduated from nursing school in 2008. We spent a month in Asia, in Singapore, Malaysia, and Thailand. And the entire trip, we were backpacking. The entire trip, including our flights, all of our lodging, and all of our food for four weeks was $3,000. And it just sort of cracks me up that we could we, that we could do that. And I remember for years, I thought, how did we do a whole month abroad for $3,000? Well, because we were shoestringing, and we were eating street food, and we were staying in hostels, and we were backpacking. I look at our budget for this trip and feel like it was a really, really great value. And I'm so glad that we took this opportunity, that we made it work. Uh, We definitely, you know, are going to be sacrificing in other areas of our lives, uh, not going on some other trips that we may have gone on if we hadn't taken the time and used the travel budget in this way. And it was exactly what we needed. It was exactly what we hoped for. So I'm incredibly grateful that we had the opportunity, that we made this space in our lives and our finances and took the time because we are changed and better because of the experience that we had. The last couple questions I'm going to answer are just about Costa Rica itself. Why Costa Rica? What are some of the quirks of the country? What are some of the, uh, someone asked a question about snakes and spiders and scorpions and creepy crawlies. My quick backup is that I fell in love with Costa Rica over 20 years ago when I lived there as a college student. And the reason that I chose Costa Rica back then, there were two main reasons. One, it had a neutral Spanish accent, which I was going abroad specifically to learn to speak Spanish in an immersive environment. So the the Spanish accent mattered a lot to me at that point. 
it would have been very different going to Spain, for example, where they have a specific type of dialect, or Argentina or Mexico. There are some countries with a very specific Spanish dialect, which is great. It's beautiful. And Costa Rica has a really neutral Spanish accent, and it's very easy to listen to. They speak very slowly. Most people, like in general as a culture, it's, they speak a little bit more slowly. Uh, it's a really beautiful, neutral Spanish. In addition to that, it is a very calm people and culture. In the 80s or early 90s, they disbanded their armed forces. Uh, they no longer ha- you know, maintain a regular army as part of that. They are not constantly fighting civil wars or, you know, local local dis- disputes with their border countries. And it's just got a very calm, wonderful vibe. So as far as I know, I've had some people say they're a little bit nervous about traveling in Central or South America. They It just feels a little bit like a little less safe than maybe going to Europe. That has not been my experience with Costa Rica at all. I feel incredibly safe. Uh, There's, you know, a a tiny bit of petty crime, maybe like, you know, if you leave your wallet out on the beach, it probably won't be there when you get back. But there's not a lot of violent crime at all. It's a really wonderful place to travel. The most dangerous thing in Costa Rica is probably the wildlife. (laughs) And uh, I love the question about snakes and spiders because I told you a story last Uh, two weeks ago about our encounter. Gratefully, it was a lucky encounter, but seeing uh, uh, Ted Pelos snake, which is one of the most, it is the most venomous snake in the Americas. And we were, you know, feet away from it. Uh, Every time I've gone to Costa Rica, I have seen or been you know, in not in dangerous close quarters, but I've I've encountered in the wilderness creatures that are potentially harmful. On this trip, we saw a couple different kinds of snakes. We saw this close-up, very dangerous snake. We also saw a python. It was in a tree, and a guide pointed it out to us, so it wasn't something that we were close to. We didn't see many spiders, actually. I mean, a couple, there was actually a really beautiful beetle-looking spider that had this kind of spiky red back outside the door of our beach house, and it had a beautiful web, and we mostly just observed it. We didn't feel threatened by it. We didn't notice a lot of creepy crawlies inside. Everywhere that we stayed, other than mosquitoes, which are just around when you're in the rainforest, they're everywhere seemed to have pretty good pest control. When we went on a river cruise, we saw dozens of crocodiles, but we didn't feel threatened at all. We were in a boat. It, had I been swimming in that river, I probably would have died. <laughs> I mean, truly, like, they were everywhere. Uh, it was really cool, though, to see them and be safe. We at the Animal Rescue Center, of course, were able to observe some really cool predators, um, jaguars and ocelots and things like that. Uh, There's a lot of coatis, which are these interesting looking, they kind of look like a hybrid between an anteater, a raccoon and a monkey. They're not dangerous. They're not really aggressive. They're pretty peaceful, but they do travel in groups of 20 to 50. And when I was backpacking in Costa Rica, Years ago, we were on a trail miles and miles into a national park and sort of stumbled into a family of coatis. And it was it felt very threatening because there were so many of them all at once. And they were looking at us and, you know, kind of baring their teeth like a raccoon. And 
you know, raccoon, I don't I don't know if a raccoon ever attacks a person, like comes at a human or if it does, if it does a lot of damage. But when you're surrounded by 50 raccoons all kind of looking at you like that, it can be a little unnerving. We didn't have that experience on this trip. We saw coatis several different times, but I mean, and even kind of traveling along trees in a group, but we, they, they weren't on the ground with us. We saw many monkeys, which never feel very harmful. They're always just cute and fun to see. We saw lots of iguanas, lots of lizards. Uh, we saw a ton of turtles, of course. If you listened to my last episode, you heard all about our magnificent turtle nesting experience. That's episode 252. We also, the very last day when Dave and I, I were out surfing, we saw two rays jump and it was really fun. I don't know what type they were, stingrays or manta rays or if there's a difference, but we saw it like jump out of the water and flap around a little bit and then land back in the water. The ocean itself doesn't have sharks right along where we were, so we never had to worry about that. I didn't we saw dolphins. Um, I think a couple people n- noted that they had seen whales from the beach, but we didn't see any while we were there. All in all, the wildlife experience in Costa Rica is just overwhelmingly wonderful, and we really appreciate the biodiversity and and having that be part of our trip. We loved getting the chance to experience it and like building a trip around taking advantage of the opportunity to see some of the spectacular nature and animals that the country offers uh, beyond going to the beach. I mean, the beach is really cool and you can find a cool beach in a lot of different places. What you can't find in, in very many different places around the world is the amount of nature, biodiversity, animals, and and plants that you find in Costa Rica. So I'm glad that we took the time to take advantage of that and learn about it while we were on the ground. The last question that I got that I thought was interesting was, will you go back? Will you do it again? And like I mentioned a little bit earlier in this episode, I already was thinking, okay, maybe we just do this every year. Maybe we just, you know, book the same Airbnb for the same month and just have this be a place that we go back to. And in fact, the last two times Dave and I have been in Nosara, we've casually looked at real estate lots or you know small beach houses that are being built right now because there's something so enticing about the idea of just having this home away from home that's paradise. We realized on this last trip, though, that beyond maybe not wanting to you know, own a house in a different country, that we really like the idea of going different places as a family. So while we hope to go back to Costa Rica. And, you know, I'm sure that we will at some point. I don't know that we'll do another full month there, at least in the same exact location. Maybe we will. But I think the next time we might choose somewhere different to experience a little bit more closely like we did this time. And as my kids get a little bit older, they'll probably have opinions about all of that as well. They loved it. And so maybe if we asked them, they'd say, yeah, let's just go back and do the same thing again. And maybe there are other places that we'd like to dig into and and experience a little bit more closely as a family as well. That's it for the Q&A of how to take a month abroad. Hopefully some of that information was helpful or gave you some ideas. Maybe it's a month, maybe it's several months, maybe it's just a week and you haven't taken a vacation in a while and you're just trying to figure out how to put it all together. I really deeply believe in the power of travel, of being new places. I also don't think you have to go abroad. I think that you can find new ways to experience the world around you in your very own city. One of the biggest benefits to travel is being able to relate and empathize and commune with 
the world as a whole. And I recognized partway through our trip that there are opportunities for me to have cultural experiences within my day-to-day life that I'm not taking advantage of. And as I was starting in Spanish class, the, you know, the second week of our trip, we all took Spanish class for a week. I introduced myself and said, you know, I've been speaking Spanish for 20 years and I don't have a lot of opportunities to speak Spanish. And I said, because I live in a city where there aren't a lot of Spanish-speaking folks. And as soon as I said it, I thought that's not right at all. I happen to live in an area of a city where not a lot of my neighbors speak Spanish, but I'm sure that there's a whole community of Latino, Latina, Spanish-speaking folks in Richmond that I just haven't encountered. And I started to look for opportunities to spend more time in a Spanish-speaking environment and found a couple great places that I can volunteer with Spanish-speaking refugees or help relocate people within the city using my Spanish language ability and comfort level and conversation to maybe help other people feel a little bit more at home here in Richmond, uh, just like so many people helped us feel at home when we were abroad. So whether you're looking to plan a trip or just have an experience, a culture experience where you live, hopefully this episode and the last couple episodes have given you some ideas of how to do that. One other thing that I learned while I was gone is that while I'm good at going on vacation, I'm not great at taking a break. I've decided as an effort to give myself a chance to actually take a little bit of a breather, I'm gonna take some time off from the podcast. Rather than starting the beginning of September as it normally would, season six is going to begin the first week in October. So you have five weeks off where I'm not going to air a new episode if you're behind, this is a great chance to catch up. I know I've had some people say, I, you know, I haven't listened for a few weeks. The summer got crazy. So hopefully having a few weeks, if you're a regular listener, will give you a chance to catch up. And if you are caught up, if you are one of my lovely listeners who tunes in every single week, take advantage of going back and listening to a couple of your favorite older episodes. Encore episodes of your choice. I'm not going to air encore episodes or old episodes during the next month. I'm just going to take a real break and generate some new ideas, relax a little bit, and be excited to come back with fresh perspective in October. That said, I'm not taking a break from coaching, and I actually have a couple open spots on my schedule right now. So if you're interested in one-on-one coaching, please get in touch with me at Miranda at livefreecreative.co. I am booking new coaching clients for monthly, bi-monthly, or weekly coaching calls. I can help you work on a personal project, work on developing some strengths and skills in your productivity or your efficiency. We can dive into a creative project and I can help you figure out the next steps as you launch something new, or for just a fresh perspective to help you feel a little bit less stuck in some areas of your life where you could use a little bit of help. Send me an email at Miranda at livefreecreative.co. I can't wait to chat with you. I'll catch you in October. Bye-bye. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.